last of our series. It's on the, it's on a very, it's a series called All In, it's, it's, and it's based around a very Christianese word that we use in the church a lot called stewardship, right? And stewardship, you know, as Evan defined it, was that God owns it, and my job is to manage it, right? What that really means is that when we call ourselves believers, what, what, what we're really saying to God is, we're saying to God, like, God, I trust you. God, I believe in you. God, I, I put my life in your hands. And so God takes that, that act of faith of saying, you trust me, you believe me, you, you tr- uh, you, 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 you're sacrificing, you're surrendering to me. Therefore, let me give you this resource then. As a believer, let me give you this resource that I have, and I want you to manage it. Which means I want you to grow it, to cultivate it, to use it for my glory. Right? If you are going to be called mine, if you are going to say that you trust me, that you walk with me, that you, are, you have a Christian identity in me, then I will give you this resource to grow, to cultivate for my glory. You guys follow me? And, and uh, this whole series is really you know, bringing in like, what, okay, here I am, I'm a Christian. What am I supposed to steward? What am I supposed to manage, PT? And I, we gave you a list. Evan and I, we gave you a huge list of stuff that we're supposed to think about managing as a steward of God, as a, a steward for God, right? It's the lives of others that oftentimes God will say, okay, well, you call yourself mine. You say you trust me. Then let me give you the resource of one of my young hearts. Let me give you a resource of a person who can change lives if you would invest in them faithfully, if you would steward them faithfully. Let me give you the resources of a life, of a ministry, of a small group. Let me give you this resource. Grow it, cultivate it, right? Use it for my glory. Or it's something about the gospel. You call yourself mine. You say you trust me. You say that you you are mine. So let me give you the resources of this gospel, this truth that can change the life of many people who would hear it, who would listen to it. It has the power to change the trajectory of their life. And here is your responsibility. It is to grow it, to cultivate it within yourself, and to use it for my glory. You are given the stewardship of the gospel, of the good news, right? Or you've been given the stewardship of your spiritual gifts, Spiritual gift is not a talent. If you are a believer, every single believer have a spiritual gift. You don't know what it is, most likely because you have not done anything with your life in the church, right? If you have no idea what your spiritual gift is, is most of the time you just show up to Sunday, and that's pretty much your whole entire Christian experience. A spiritual gift is always discovered when you put yourself into the, um, the, the, the crossroad of service, when you're willing to jump into some sort of um, service opportunity or some sort of uh, work that would, uh, that would force you to exercise your energy, your heart, in discovering gifts that you never knew you had. That's why, you know, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies can come to church, you know, hire and fire thousands of people and yet become like a baby whisperer when they come to church. Like somehow they have the ability to speak to a baby and the baby does not cry. Who knows, right? They're just amazing with, with children. Some of you guys are gifted in preaching, but you guys probably never have that because you've never given the, yourself the ability or the chance to step up and actually share something. Some of you guys are gifted in mercy, but you've never really cared for anyone, so you don't really know that you actually have this gift for people, right? Some of you guys are gifted in so many different ways, but you don't know because you have not exercised your gift. You have not been a good steward of that gift, 
We're called to be stewards of our spiritual gifts, but we're also called to be stewards of our work. That the job you are in, that God has given you this work, all work belongs to God, that God has given you this work so that you will bring flourishing to the things that he cares about. If you are in the health provision, uh, health area, he gives you this job, this work, because he cares about health. He cares about restoring the image of what life was supposed to be. You know why Jesus, when he came to earth, why he did all that healing? It wasn't just like, oh, like, look at me, I'm awesome. He did all that healing to show the world this is how it was supposed to be. You were never meant to die. You weren't meant to have this illness. You weren't meant to be sick. And so he came to bring healing. And so when you were in the work profession, he cares for these people. And you, he uses your work, and if you would steward your work faithfully, to grow it, to cultivate it, to use it for his glory. It is to, bring, it is to uh, bring flourishing to those areas. Last week we talked about money. You were called to be a steward of money, but money has this power to blind you. None of you guys will ever say that you're greedy. None of you, you guys will always point to someone you think is greedier, but you will never say to yourself, I'm a greedy person. Because why? Oftentimes money has blinded you because you never believe that you are the one who is actually greedy. And so you, you, you don't recognize that money has this power over you. And this power is to make you feel like you have a false sense of significance, status, or power, a false sense of safety. Money has given you these, this, this false sense of those feelings. And so it blinds you to the reality that maybe you are actually greedy. And yet Jesus says this to you. He says this, I died. You only die for what you think is precious and worth it. And so when Christ took the cross, it must be because he looked at you and he said, you are precious, you are worth it. I will only give my life, my energy, my resource, my time for something that I treasure. And because he did that for you, it is a sure affirmation to you that you are precious before God. You guys get me? All right? So this whole series, listen up, okay? This is my last week. This whole series, if you went through this whole entire series of stewardship, and the thing that went through your mind at this point is you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm going to wait until I have the right heart to start stewarding. Those are great things. I know exactly what I need to do now. I'll just wait for the right opportunity to show itself up. Then I will start working on the gospel, working on the lives of others, my work, my spiritual gift, money. I will wait for the opportunity. If you are thinking that, you have missed the whole series. You have missed the whole purpose of this series. The whole purpose of this series was to identify who you are. You are a Christian. If you call yourself a person who believes in Christ, right, then the result of that belief, the result of that identity is to steward these things faithfully, sacrificially, dutifully, joyfully. It's not to sit and wait. Can't, do you, do you wake up in the morning and ask yourself, oh man, I, I, you probably do, but you, would you say something like, I'm, I'm just waiting for the right heart to go to work. Right? I'm, just, I'm just waiting for God to give me just the right heart so I can actually get out of bed to go to work. You might actually say that, honestly, but eventually you still do what? You still go to work, right? You still put in your time. You still do your eight to five. You still do what you think because why? You know your identity. Your identity is a person who is working. You're a laborer and therefore you have to work. I don't, when my son comes and he asks me, Father, I'm hungry, do I sit there and say, let me wait for the right heart so that I can feed you, right? Let me wait for just the, the heart so that I can feel like I should feed you. No, I feed him, right, whether it's an annoying time that he's asking me or not, because why? My identity is that I am a father, and as a father, it is my duty to faithfully 
make sure my, my child does not die, right? And at the same time, here we are talking about stewardship, and if your mindset is, I'm going to wait to be generous, I'm going to wait to be a steward of the gospel, I'm going to wait to serve with my gifts, I'm going to wait to actually invest in someone's life, you have missed the whole thing. Because that just reveals something very specific. It reveals that, one, you don't know your identity, or two, you don't really have an identity in Christ, right? Because if you have an identity, what drives it is what can I do next? What drives your identity, if you're a young believer, you're a new believer, what drives you should be asking, what am I supposed to do with this identity? Here are the things you're, you're called a steward. You know how David shared about that kid who was leading his campus was three months, right? Three months as a believer. His name was Chi Cow. He's a very funny kid, right? Like he, 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 he raps, right? He, he goes into this like entertainment business kind of thing. But he, you know, he's, he's, really, he's really unique, okay? He's a very unique guy, right? Three months as a believer and he's leading his campus. And I'm like, you know, it's funny because I have people who have been in the church for like 25 years who have a problem of leading a small group, right, let alone a campus. Why is that? What's the difference there? The difference is one understands their identity. The other one's forgotten it. You guys getting me? Right? If we have gone through this whole entire series and your mindset is let me wait. You missed the series. You missed the, you missed the whole point of the series. The point of the series is now, now is the time. You, you now know what you're supposed to steward over, so go steward it. You now know the question you should be asking, so start asking it. You, you now know to say, what should I serve next? Where should I be? You now know how can I, what can I offer my, my finances to? Well, how can I be generous? You now know how do I work? How do I use my work as a stewardship for God? You now know these questions, so start asking those questions. You don't have to be perfect at it. No one's telling you like you're gonna be like super, you know, steward saint here, but you're supposed to have this progression in your work for it. You're supposed to progress towards it. You guys get me? Right? All right, so this last one is it's the hardest one for me, right? Because I suck at this one the most, okay? It is it's the steward of time. Steward, I am a fellow sojourner with you. In this, I'm a fellow sinner in, with you in this area, right? It's how to steward my time wise. How many of you guys would say, I'm a very busy person? Raise your hand, right? How many of you guys have things in your calendar that's just like constantly full up every single day, right? And the moment you have a free day, it gets filled up within like 10 seconds, yes, right? Part of being a believer, having an identity in Christ, is knowing how to steward your time. Knowing how to steward time. So if you would... Focus with me, right? If you would focus with me for just, I don't know how long it's going to take, but if you focus with me, right, after this message, what you're going to learn is this. You will learn how to steward your time better, because it's going to be a very practical message, right? I'm going to make it as practical as possible. You will know how to steward your time better, and you won't feel guilty. You'll learn not to feel guilty in the seasons of your life when you find yourself in a high, intense, stressful time where rest and, and, and stewarding your time faithfully uh, it's hard. You won't feel guilty now, and I'll show you. I'll share with you why. Okay, but I'll tell you how to get through that as well. So if you would, you would hang with me, right? Let me teach you how to steward your time. Okay, let me teach you as I teach myself how to steward time wisely. You guys follow? Okay, open your Bible to Ephesians five, verses fifteen and seventeen. Ephesians five, fifteen and seventeen. Okay. 
That's what he says. He says, Ephesians 5, 15 and 17, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay? The stewardship of time is a command. It is not a suggestion. Okay? The stewardship of time is an actual command given to you. Do you guys realize that? And I think I've shared this analogy before. If I've broken any of the Ten Commandments, right, I would be fired. You guys get me? If I, if I commit adultery, fired, right? If I stole from the church, fired, right? If I, if I uh, killed somebody, obviously fired, right? But if I broke the command of time, I will probably get a raise, right? Which is weird, you know? It's a command. It's not a suggestion. And now part of this command demands that you understand wisdom. Stewardship is part of wisdom. Wisdom, you guys know what wisdom is? Wisdom is knowing what to do when the moral law do not apply. Meaning this, let's say tomorrow you ask the question, what will I do tomorrow with my time? And you have 10 things. All 10 things are not sinful, hopefully, right? All 10 things are perfect, they're good, they're all, all legit things to do, but not all 10 things are wise for you to do. Wisdom and foolishness is divided in how you understand what to do with that time tomorrow. You guys get me? Wisdom is understanding how to make the best usage of your time. Look at verse, it says this, and then it says, um, make the most of every opportunity, right? Make the most of every, in a different uh, translation, it, it basically say make the best use of your time, right? What that phrasing is, it's a, um, it's a commercial phrasing. What that means is this. It's, it's like using use the stock market when you invest in something, you invest in it to get the best out of it, right? To get the best buck out of that investment, the best result for your investment. And so what Paul is saying here is this. Time, time you have to approach it with wisdom, and you have to approach it in a way that you are actually making the best result for your investment. Your wisdom will dictate how you will receive the best result from what you do with it. Can you do random stuff with it? Yes. But does that necessarily mean that you will get the best return for your investment? This word is redeem. Redeem your time in such a way that when you invest your time, it will come back to you right, in such a way where it was the best bang for your buck. Rather than investing your time in something that's not as useful and comes back not as uh, worthy. Yes, follow me? Okay. So, time, stewardship of time is a command. To exercise this command, it requires wisdom. Because what you need to do to exercise time is to get the best out of it. To get the best of your investment from it. Meaning, spend your time so well that you get the result from your investment. Because why? The days, he says, what? Are evil. So from when Jesus came and left, and then when he will come again, during this whole period, what Paul is saying, these are the days that are evil. And so what, he, what he's really referring to is that during this time period, Christians are not to waste time. You're not... To waste time. Some of you guys, how many of you guys like to kill time? You just sit around and kill time, right? Right? Shakespeare says what? You don't kill time, time is killing you, right? You don't kill time, time is killing you. You're not supposed to waste your time as a believer. Your time is so important, so you got to be a good steward of your time, investing it in something that will have the best result from it afterwards. 
How do you invest your time? It's not a simple matter, yes? It's not, that's not simple. All right? Just to, I know some of you guys are thinking, PT, I, I feel like he's going to tell me to invest my time by, like, praying 24 hours, right? Or, like, I feel like he's, gonna, he's about to drop, like, just do devotion. That's how I'm going to invest my time forever. That's how, that's how I'm going to use my time wisely, right? That, that's not true, okay? Let me tell you guys. Maybe it is wise, listen, maybe it is wise that maybe if you're watching a John Wick movie for two hours, it may not be as wise as praying for two hours, right? It may not be as wise as praying. But if you have never watched a John Wick film, you are an impoverished person, right? You are just missing out on life, right? The point is, recreation is something you have to have. You guys get me? So it's not, it's not just a clear-cut, read the Bible for 24 hours, or do devotion for 24 hours, or journal for 24 hours. It's not simply like that, okay? Think about this. God has never given you more in a day than you can handle, yes? God has never given you more in a day than you can handle. Now, how many of us would say that in a day, I usually have a lot of things to do more than I, more than I plan for, Yeah? Some of you guys are just not being honest. We're being fake today, right? Everybody's like, I don't know. That's not me. I'm perfect, all right? All right. We know that in the day, we sometimes, most of the time, all of us have planned way more than we're supposed to do, right? And usually when you do that, you get stressed, you get burdened out, you get like whiny, you get complaining, and you're like, why is this happening? I have so much to do. Oftentimes, if you're doing more than you can handle in the day, that means that in that day, you have done more than what God willed for you to do. Right? Think about all the stuff that you have in, in line to do. Maybe that day, because you have more than what you're supposed to do that's beyond what you can handle, you've actually picked up something that God has no will for you to pick up in the first place. He had no desire for you to pick it up in the first place, but you picked it up because you just desired to pick it up. Or you, you want to say yes to a family member or a church member or somebody, and you're, out, you're overextending yourself. There are probably days that you are doing more than you're supposed to do. There are days that you're probably not doing enough, but most of the time, you're probably doing more than you're supposed to do, that God has will for you. And so when we begin to talk about the stewardship of time, you have to understand something. You can't waste it. As a believer, you cannot waste your time. Now, wasting time does not necessarily mean that you can't play, you can't have recreation, right? Wasting time does not necessarily mean that um, you, you take on a bunch of random stuff, and you just kind of overload yourself because you're just trying to be Christian, and you're like, I'm just going to serve everybody and do everything and then burn yourself out. That's not mean good stewardship of time either, right? What does it mean to steward your time well? Good steward of time, listen, guys, good steward of time is respecting and celebrating the Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath, right? A good steward of time, if you are going to be Practicing good stewardship of time. A good steward of time is respecting and honoring and doing the Sabbath. What does that mean? This is what Jesus says. Jesus, I am Lord of the Sabbath. Meaning on this day, right, it's not more for you to do. On a day of rest, it's not more for you to do. I have come to tell you, because the Pharisees were like, you're supposed to be doing this, this, and this on this day. And God says, man was, um, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. I am Lord of the Sabbath, meaning I have brought the Sabbath here for you to rest. 
The day of Sabbath is for you to rest. So if you want to say, I want to be a good steward of my time, PT, one of the things that you have to, especially in a very busy 21st century world that we live in, one of the things that you have to practice well is rest. Some of you guys practice this too much. If you practice this six days and you work one day, I'll just repent this whole message, okay? This is not for you, okay? But if you are a person who is constantly busy, constantly doing things, finding yourself overextended all the time, I want to tell you that one of the greatest ways, one of the ways that you steward your time wisely is that you have to practice the Sabbath. Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath, and I have come to give you rest. So if you are not finding yourself in a place where you are resting, right, and I'll tell you what resting looks like. I'm not saying resting is like you sleep all day, right? But I'm talking about if you're not finding a place where you are actually resting, rejuvenating yourself, right? You're not handling your, you're not, you're not stewarding your time wisely, okay? A good steward of time is honoring and respecting the Sabbath. How do I do that? Remember that one, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And that homie said what? You got to rest. Two, right? The purpose of the Sabbath is joy. Sabbath day should not be your extra free time to run errands, doing things that you do not like to do, right? Sabbath is, it means you cease from the work that you did. And when God made, in Genesis 2, when God made the heavens and the earth, after, on the seventh day, he sat back, he finished his work, he called it holy, he made that day the Sabbath, and he said that what he made was good. He sat back and he enjoyed the work of his hand. And so on this day, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to have joy on this day. If you find yourself stressed out on the day of your, that you're off, right, you're not being a good steward of your time. Your time should bring you joy. It should be a time when you're enjoying, one, God's creation, or two, things that you've done with your hands. Maybe you cooked a great meal. Enjoy the great meal, right? Maybe if you're, if on that day you're cooking for like a, a bunch of people and you're just tired and, you're, and you're, there's no joy in this, in, in this cooking process, you have not honored the Sabbath faithfully. You guys follow? Okay. The Sabbath's purpose is for joy. Thirdly, the Sabbath's purpose is for freedom. You guys realize this? Anyone who cannot rest on the day that you're off is still a slave to work. Anyone who cannot rest on the day you're off is a slave to work. When God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, he said everyone has to rest. Your oxen, your slaves, everyone has to rest. Cease from working because if you continue to work, you are continuing to do what? Where, were they? where did they come from before that? They were where? They were in Egypt. And where were they in Egypt? What were they doing? They were slaves. They worked seven days a week, right? They did not rest. And yet God says, I want you to rest on this day. Because when you rest on this day, when you cease from working, then you are actually experiencing freedom. But if you are not, if you are unable to rest from work, it just reveals that you are still a slave to your work. You guys get me? You are a slave to your work, and it's a reminder that you're still a slave. So one, good stewardship of time is you have to honor and glorify the Sabbath and keep it. How do you keep the Sabbath? Listen, Jesus is Lord. He says to rest. You got to rest. He's commanding you to do it. Two, it's meant to be joyful. If you're not joyful on the day you're off, something is wrong. You're honoring the Sabbath incorrectly. If you don't find freedom and you're constantly running about like a chicken with his head cut off because you're working constantly even though your day is off, you're not honoring the Sabbath because you're still a slave. And then thirdly, or fourthly, I'm sorry, fourthly, 
Sabbath is not meant just for physical rest. It's a spiritual rest. It's a spiritual rest. This is the day where you say to yourself and you remember that Jesus is your redeemer. This is the day when you reflect that you're no longer self-justified, that, um, that you rest from your work of self-justification. You guys know we go through this every time. Even though we, we tell you not to, I know we still do it. We go through the day, we go through the week, and we kind of justify how good we did that week, how great things were that week, how, how, how great the, 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 um, your work was, how great your, your relationship with your boss was. You constantly do this kind of juggling act during the week, and you try to use that as justification. I'm pretty good today because this week went pretty well. But then if week went pretty bad, you said, I'm a horrible loser. I can't make it. I can't get anything done. And you're, you're spending your whole time thinking, did I make it or did I not make it? Did I finally uh, build up enough credit in my life to feel like I'm comfortable? Or do I feel like I'm just a, a, a nobody? I still need to work and I'm, I'm just going nowhere. I'm lost. I'm stuck. That's called self-justification. You guys follow me? And on this day, on the day of Sabbath, what you're supposed to remember is what? Jesus says, you're precious. Your significance is not found in your work. It's not found in the status and the power and the things that you do. Your significance is found because I gave you significance. I redeemed you from having to feel insignificant or having to feel prideful. I have redeemed you in such a way to tell you you are precious and worth it to me. And I had to die for you to tell you that you are no better than anybody else. It is the day when you find spiritual rest when you sit back and you remember and you think. See, the problem oftentimes with the churches and with brothers and sisters here, you guys, with you guys, is that when you guys, you, you, you forget your identity and who Christ is, and when you forget your identity and who Christ is, you begin to go back to your religious act of, oh, maybe I'll, I'll serve today or I won't serve today or I'll do this, I won't do this. And you kind of do this whole balancing act. You know what? I went to mission for like a whole summer, right? I can pretty much veg out for the rest of the summer. Just kind of like balancing act. Rather than saying, my, my identity is I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to be doing this, all right? And you don't remember that unless you remember your identity and who Christ has, what Christ has done for you. It is the day where you rest from the self-justification. Am I a good mom? Am I a good dad? Am I a good student? Am I a good son? Am I a good daughter? Have I finally made it in life? All my friends have gone somewhere. I've gone nowhere. Or I feel like I'm I'm awesome, right? Or something. It's the day when you stop doing that and you have the spiritual rest and you stop justifying yourself and you remember Christ as Redeemer. You guys get me? Right? True, true Stewardship of time requires Sabbath. If you are a good steward of time, you must have a Sabbath, right? And what the Sabbath does is that, one, it tells you to rest, it tells you to have joy, it tells you to have freedom, and it tells you to remember that you're redeemed. It brings those things into light. If you're not doing those things during your Sabbath, you're not having a good day off. You're you're, you're running around, you're busy, you're constantly still wired, right? Now here. Um, real quickly, basic way to observe the Sabbath. You guys ready? How do I actually observe the Sabbath? So those, those concepts are nice. I should feel like I'm free. I should feel like I have joy. I should feel like I'm spiritually rested. I should understand that God has given me this rest. But how do I actually work this Sabbath out? Yes? How do I actually practice a Sabbath day? Okay? I'm going to give it to you. Now, I'm giving it to you as a way of, you know, from the textbook, because I myself have a hard time following this, okay? Now, that's just because I'm a sinner, 
who needs Jesus, okay? But yeah, I'm going to share this with you guys, and I'm going to help you guys learn um, these seasons that we go through, okay? First, how to observe the Sabbath. One, you need time away from work, period, or school, period, or family, period. You just need time away from what you deem as work. Now, back in the days, a Sabbath is sunset to sunset, so it's a 24-hour period, Okay? Now, we don't actually have a 24-hour period that we can just kind of push through. So most of the time in the 21st century, what, what works best is this. You take a day and a half, okay? A day and a half off, that would basically mean that's a good Sabbath, a day and a half, right? If you can't take a straight a day and a half, it usually looks something like a day and three evenings, okay? If you can do that, one, you, you, you set yourself up at least for the, the boundaries of rest, Okay, you set yourself up at least for the boundaries of rest. A day and a half or a day, three evenings, okay? Now, what to do with that day and a half or that day and the three evenings, okay? What do I do during this time? Now, listen. In the Bible, they would have seven years for the land to do whatever they needed to do, and then they would have one year for the land to veg out. You understand that? One year. So uh, during those years, six years, they would do whatever they need to do for the land. They would, they would uh, cultivate and, uh, and grow whatever crop they want to grow. But then they had that one year where they just say, just grow whatever you want, land. And they just leave the land alone. And they let the land grow for a whole year by itself so that the soil, you know, would not be uh, depleted. And they let the land do its thing. They, they just let it veg out. So you know what you're supposed to do in that, doing that one and a half day, right? Part of it, not the whole day, part of it, right, is that you... Dessert, or you, you need to have a recreational time to veg out, okay? It's a time just to, you can play your video games, you can watch a movie, right? You can do what you feel as a recreational time for yourself, okay? But you also need, during this time, a time, an activity that is pleasurable to you but gives some structure to your Sabbath, okay? It has to have some structure, I meaning you have to have a time when you are actually thinking about your identity, a time of, of, of personal recreational play, right? Go out with a friend, hang out, do, do, uh, do whatever you need, read a book, do whatever you got to do. Just a recreational time, watch a movie. But you also have to have a time where you're thinking about your identity. You're, re, you're renewing that identity. That, that comes in like prayer. That comes in devotion. That comes in journaling. But it comes in a time where you're remembering your personal identity. Oftentimes, you guys forget your identity, and therefore we forget what we're doing. And so our, our, our Christian life becomes more of a religious life rather than an actual spiritual growing life. You do what you do because of your identity in Christ. You don't do what you do to create an identity. You guys, you guys understand that? So if someone goes and tells you, hey, I'm, I'm having a bad time, I'm not like feeling the Lord, if someone goes and tells you, go pray and have a Bible study, that does not help. You understand that? That does not help because that does not build your identity in Christ. What you have to go back and do is what? Remember your identity. I'm having a hard time. What's your identity? Why are you having a hard time? You forgot who you are. You base your identity on what people think of you. You base your identity on the people you hang out with. You base your identity on who you play with or, or, or the, the group that you're in. But you've forgotten your primary identity, which is in Christ. So you got to have a time when you're constantly renewing that daily. During that time of Sabbath, you're renewing that. A time of recreation and a time of aesthetic rest. You know what that means? That means that you're going to have to open your door. 
and step out into the world. I know. And then when you step out, you're going to feel this really weird thing that's going to hit your body. It's called the sun, right? And it's going to be really, like, odd because you know, it's going to hit your pale skin and you're going to feel like it's burning, right? But then you're going to have to actually engage with people and look at the creation around you, take a few steps, breathe in the air. Hopefully you're in a place where the air is nice, right? Or you look around, look at the skies, look at the stars. You're actually enjoying God's creation, okay? What am I supposed to be doing during this uh, day and a half of rest, PT, or this day and three evenings? One, right? You got to have a time where you are focusing on your identity, reminding yourself of your identity. We forget our identities before we forget who we are in Christ. Second, you got to have a time of recreation. Watch a movie, veg out, enjoy yourself. Third, right, you have a time where you're aesthetically enjoying um, God's presence. You're exposing yourself to God's work of creation, okay? Um, now, in order to do this, you got to have a few things you got to consider, okay? Uh, one, you have to consider whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, yes, right? Rest for an introvert does not mean you go out and you hang out at a party, okay? That's not rest for an extrovert. That is death for an extrovert, for an introvert, for an introvert, okay? That would be death. You know, it's, for an introvert, the way an introvert refills or kind of regain their energy is that they need to be taken away, sit still, and to just let, just recharge that way. You know, it's funny, like, um, our brother David Mai, see here, David Mai, he was in the Imagination Station. You know, he's really loud during VBS. He was awesome. My kid loved it. And then, you know, you, you would just see him after, like, a few stations, you just see him sit in the thing just like this. He's not talking, just... You know, and it's, and it's funny because you think, like, oh, he's dying. But no, he's just, I'm like, I, I get it. Homie's just recharging. I feel you, bro. Right? I get it. Right? But, you, but then you get, like, you get, like, someone like, like, like Ruth who comes in, like, holding a McDonald bag. Like, I'm just finished work. I'm tired. Right? And then all of a sudden, like, she's all like, yeah, I started, like, jumping around. Like, yeah, that was great, guys. And, you know, because you, you're an extrovert. You need people to, to feed you. Right? So you got to really consider it. So now if you're married and you're both opposite, okay, oh, you got if you're both off of this, is, this is, you got to make sure that you figure out what to do, okay? If one of y'all is an extrovert and the other one's an introvert, and the extrovert forces the introvert to go like, come on, I'll take you to this party, it'll be fun. You're just killing your person's Sabbath, okay? And if the introvert says, come on, let's just sit down and do nothing, you just killed the extrovert, okay? Right? That's, that, that, that would, you would destroy your relationship that way. You have to figure out the time for each other. Say, hey, what do you need? I just need to be with somebody. Okay, just go. Right, just go, I'll give you three hours, disappear, right? Or is it, I just need to be alone. Stop talking to me, right? And he's like, go, go, go into your corner, your dungeon, right? And stay there, you know? You got to know whether you're introvert or you're extrovert. It's very important in this process, okay? Um, and, and, and for some of you guys who are, who are families, can I tell you guys something? Family time does not mean Sabbath time, okay? Family time does not mean rest time. I know some of you guys will be like, What? My wife is like, I'm going to kill you after this, right? right? Family time does not mean Sabbath. Now, your kids, when they're kids, that is not rest, okay? When you have Isaiah running around, that's not rest. You're constantly hoping he doesn't die. That's high intense anxiety, right? That's not rest, and that's okay because that's for that season, you just got to deal with it. When they grow up, they get older, and they become, like, more friends with you, then family time becomes more of a Sabbath time, yes? But before then, you just have to bite the bullet and say, all right, family time is family time, you know? It does not necessarily mean Sabbath. You guys get me? Right? So you got you to gotta take into consideration when, when they are young. Uh, so to keep that in mind. Now, so what do we do during this, during this hour and a half or this day and a half or this, or this one day and um, three nights? You got to have a time to renew your identity. So if you're not renewing your identity and you're spending like 
three quarters of it vegging out, okay, you're not doing your Sabbath faithfully. And you're not going to be rested or restored. You're going to find yourself being lazier, right? And you're going to find yourself needing more time because it's not enough veg time for some reason. But if you find yourself renewing your identity, spending that time with the Lord, praying, journaling, devotion, having that veg out time, or however that may be, right, to hang out, watch a movie, go somewhere, go, go to a game, watch, just do whatever, right? Take a walk. And you have that time when you are aesthetically resting, when you're just enjoying God's creation, right? That's how you um, manage or steward that rest faithfully, okay? Now, here's the next thing. For some of you guys, you guys are in high tense, high situation, high stressful seasons of your life, meaning some of you guys are in school and you're just surviving to get to the next test and you just have, I have no rest, PT, like day and a half, that's that's my time for study. If I take that day and a half, I'm behind everyone, right? Or if you're working in a high stressful job, day and a half of not working, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my family, I'm going to lose my house, everything's going to be over. It's all your fault because you told me to rest, right? All right? <clears throat> you have to, listen, you have to honor the micro and macro rhythms and seasons within your Sabbath. You know, in, in the Bible, there is the day, there's that weekly Sabbath, right? There's a weekly Sabbath that you have to honor. There is Every seven years, you honor the land with the Sabbath, and every 49 years, there's a year of Jubilee, which is a Sabbath of Sabbath, okay? So sometimes 49 years is a long time to wait for that, you know, big Sabbath, you know? Sometimes uh, seven years is a pretty long time to wait for that Sabbath. Sometimes one week is, okay, it's not bad, you know, it's, it's time to wait for the Sabbath. But there are seasons of micro and macro Sabbaths, okay? Okay. Uh, there, there are seasons in which there were more rest and seasons when, when they had less rest. So it's like this. There are seasons in your life where you had to work hard and have very little Sabbath so that you can catch up. Okay? So if you are, it's possible to take a long, uh, to take a long hour, high energy, insufficient Sabbath time uh, season of work. If you're a doctor, if you're studying to be a medical doctor, right, you're, you're on call all the time. There's no like, today I can't show up to work because I have my day and a half of Sabbath. Okay, that's what my pastor says, I can't show up, then you are fired, right? It's really as it is. There's a season when you're going to have to just uh, pay your dues, and you're going to have to work. You're going to have to put in all that energy for that work that you're that, that you, that you, uh, uh, learning to, to, to learn that skill set for, whether it's Wall Street, whether it's starting a business, right? There's the season where you're just going to, there's no rest. Doing a ministry, the first four years at TLC, you know, there was very little rest for our family, you know? We had the, you know, once a day, or once a week stuff, but it was just, that's it. Vacations were very rare and few between those things. But it was just constantly because why? Those are high, tense seasons. High, tense seasons where it's long hours, insufficient Sabbath time. But be careful. Be careful. The worst thing that you can do is you stay in those seasons. You guys get me? Where you're constantly so busy and you're constantly so um, caught up and making the excuse, I can't do this. I can't rest because I have all this... You cannot stay in that season forever. There's a time where it's going to last, where you're going to be really stressed out for a long time. You're not going to have that much rest, but then there will be a season where you get to have your longer rest through the process, okay, when you've made it or when, you, when you've uh, gone through. But you got to make time for it. That season cannot last forever. Make sure that even in tough times to find Sabbath, that you don't squeeze out the Bible study and the prayer time because you got to make sure that that weekly Sabbath is still there. It's, it's, it's somehow kept in there a time where you are minimally renewing your identity, 
though it's difficult. You're, you're spending that small time, small window to renew that identity. Because if you lose that identity, you will lose the picture of Sabbath. If you lose the picture of Sabbath, you know what I will see? I will see brothers and sisters constantly telling me, I'm busy. For 10 years, I'm busy. Right? I'm like, you're pretty much the boss. Like, why are you still busy? I'm still busy. Right? I'll always be busy. There's a season where there's high tense, high energy, um, low time for Sabbath, but there's a season where you have to wait for that, for that Sabbath to come, and that's okay. You would just wait, but you don't wait forever. That season is not supposed to last forever. You guys, you guys understand what I'm talking about? Like there, there are times when I, so I get it. I get it when you tell me, like, PT, I, I have finals, I'm, I'm just really stuck there. Okay, I, that makes sense, right? But there's going to become a season where you're not going to have finals anymore, right? And if you still tell me I'm still stuck in that, there's something wrong with your stewardship of time, right? And the last thing is this. You have to inject Sabbath into your work life. It's the hardest thing to do because it's not concrete. If you have taken Sabbath to heart, it won't be about just taking time off, but it will be that you're less frantic and driven in the rest of your work, okay? If you understand Sabbath correctly, it's not just about taking time off of the, of, of the job. It means that you become less frantic. It, become, it means you are less driven for the rest of your work. What that means is this. You got to make sure that, you, that you're rested in your identity in Christ. If you know who you are in Christ, I'm going back to this because it's very important. If you know who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ is solid, what Jesus has done for you to declare you to be who you are, then you're willing, listen, you're willing at a certain time in your life to take some hit to your career. To say, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. We're meant to rest. You have the courage to say, I'm not going to advance in that ladder as quickly as my colleagues are because it is not worth it to advance in such a way. When you have the courage to actually make the call, I'm going to have rest. Because your significance, your status, who you are is so rooted and so rested in Christ that you don't need your job, the money from the job, or the power or the significance or the status from your job to define you anymore. So you're willing to take a hit to your work. You're willing to not look as good to your boss, right? You're willing to risk not being the top dog in order to prove to yourself anymore. You have courage to say, I'm going to rest. And when you do that, can I tell you guys something? When you, when you steward your time that way, you become an example to the rest of the world who are killing themselves or let, actually letting time kill them. You, you are being the example of what a rested human being looks like versus a frantic, driven, lost, out of their mind, extended person who is pushed beyond what they can carry looks like. You have to steward your time faithfully. You guys get me? So that means you have to rest. Okay? You got to find that rest. And for those of you, like I said, if you are finding yourself resting six days and working one day to catch up, there is, there is, some, there is something really wrong, okay, with what's going on in your life. Not only have you forgotten your identity, you probably don't even have an identity, right, to live. You're just going through your day-to-day survival mode. And you're, just, you're doing what you need to do because you just need to get through the day rather than actually having an identity to move you forward. And that's really scary, actually. And you got to really pray for yourself because there's something going on deeper. 
that you have no identity whatsoever, not even a, not even a non-Christian identity to a point where you can actually drive yourself to do something. You, you, you're basically useless. And that's something you really need to pray about, okay? Um, so stewardship. My prayer for this whole series, guys, is that it's not just for you guys to understand and like, oh, that's nice, but for us to actually mobilize and work and move. Right? You got to move. You got to move in this time of steward. If you find yourself like, I- I've never been really generous in my giving, this is the season. If you find yourself, I've never really preached the gospel or know the gospel, this is the season. If you find yourself never actually understanding what your spiritual gift really are, this is the season to jump in and find out. If you've never uh, find yourself in a place where you understand what your work is, or you kind of work is just work for you, now is the season to redeem it, right? If you've never been a good steward of your time, be a good steward of your time. Your family will thank you for it. You'll be a much more pleasant person to deal with, right? And here's a beautiful thing. If you, if you have the courage to do all that and take the Sabbath, God has his promise for you. And it's in there. You will be able to get done in six days what you felt you needed seven days to do if you would honor the Sabbath. You guys get me? In the six days that you work, you will be able to get done what you never thought you can do or what you thought you needed seven days to get done if you would honor the Sabbath that one day. You guys get me? Okay? All right, let's pray.